What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Well, we did it. 52 episodes after saying that I was going to try to get out 52 episodes last March, I think is when we started. And uh, it feels great to set a goal and accomplish a goal, and we're only two months behind schedule. And one of those months is because the son was born, and the other month was because of the holidays. So really, I'm saying we're on schedule. Started in March, finished in June. We're all good. And interestingly enough, it's a very fitting way to end this, I'm going to call it a season, I guess, with Mavi. Because Mavi is one of the first people I reached out to last January when I first started conceptualizing coming back. I had just gotten hip to let the sun talk. So I shot him an unsolicited email and didn't hear back until I fucked up and accidentally sent an email giving someone directions to the studio. I was like, oh yeah, cool. That's cool that you want to come through. Here's where we are. Here's the days we can do it. Just let me know. And then I went, oh fuck, I sent it to the wrong person. And so I sent another email (laughs) that says, disregard that last email. I'm so sorry. I meant to like follow up with you and not actually set a date and time with you. So there was three unreturned emails like a dumbass. And rather than scoffing or laughing at me, he actually responded and said, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm down to do that. Let's do it. And then soon thereafter the pandemic hit. And I don't know whether or not he ever made it to LA, but I kind of figured like, uh, I won't bother I'm trying to press that one because he's all the way across the country and I don't think people are traveling. So much to my surprise, right as I was looking for a final guest, he hit the DMs and was like, hey, I'm in LA. What's what's good? And I was like, I have time. Let's get it. And it was great. I hope that everyone that listens to this show is already familiar with Mavi. If you're not, start with Let the Sun Talk. And then move on to his new EP, or his latest EP, End of the Earth. They're both fantastic. I think he's only going to continue to get better. And he already started at a very high bar. In talking to him, I was just thoroughly impressed with this young man. He's so well-informed, and you can tell he's such a voracious reader and really retains a ton of information that he can just recall at any moment, which is just super impressive to me. I can tell, or at least I get the feeling that he's probably the smartest or one of the smartest people in the room at all times. I mean, there were moments during our conversation where I felt, um, where where I was in awe of his intellect, to be honest. Um, this is just a very smart dude and it comes through in the raps and beyond that, he really knows how to put an album together. He's got a great ear for beats. His flow is phenomenal. His subject matter is amazing. I, I you know, I can't speak highly enough about the dude. And so I'm really happy to have had him on the show because I think he's going to be an important figure in the years to come in the scene that I've done nothing but fawn over this entire season. So I'm really grateful that we got to wrap up this season 
talking to Mavi and having Mavi perform time travel in the studio. I think it was just a great way for things to kind of come full circle because like I said, he's one of the first people that I hit up and he's the last person to come on this season. Love it when a plan comes together. We ran long, so I'm not going to bore you guys with too much um, stuff, but the boy has turned 12 weeks old. He's getting very conversational uh, as far as his cooing goes and making noises. He's really, really trying to talk. It's so funny. Sleeping is hit or miss this week, but you know, still mainly pretty good. I'm just waiting for him to hit that threshold where he starts sleeping through the night. Hopefully any day now. We'll see. My brother, his wife is going into labor as I record this. So by the time this episode comes out, my mother might have a new granddaughter and I might have a new niece and my brother will have a new daughter. That's how that works. That's how all those family relations work. I'm going to take a little time off after this episode just because I've been going nonstop and I need a few weeks. So it'll be like my little summer vacation, hopefully just to sort of gather my thoughts Um, you know, Mia's going to be going back to work. So, um, we got to figure that process out. I probably have to look for a nanny and it's going to be my birthday. I've been saying that I'm 40 or that I'm almost 40 for about three years now, or four years, probably since I was like 36, I started just rounding up and going, yeah, I'm 40 just to sort of prepare myself. And the fateful day has come, um, on July 8th. I will turn 40 and it's been a journey. It's been a journey. So yeah, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to thank you guys that have followed along. I know there's at least a few of you that listen to every single episode. Uh, I don't know exactly who you are, but I see you. I thank you. Please uh, feel free to email me or DM me or do whatever and just reach out. Let me know that this thank you got to you. I just appreciate you guys following along. I appreciate you listening to my little voice diary at the beginning of these. I love the fact that you're following along on this magical playlist that I'm making, uh, getting introduced to artists and then instantly introducing myself to artists to hear about their story. We've been at it for eight years now, off and on, since 2013. And it's really been probably the biggest accomplishment of my life, I think, or at least the biggest body of work that I've ever created. And it's super special to me. And seriously, thank you guys. Thank you guys for following along. It's so strange that, um, you know, the videos I think are such a big thing on the internet. And I don't think that that many people know about the podcast, and so if you do know about the podcast and you listen along, you're, you're part of a very small and special club, and I appreciate you. And that's it. Also, I appreciate and thank everybody that worked on the show. You know, in the past, obviously, Ben Shim, and he started off this season with me. And I, I want to thank... Our new engineer, Avery Kentis, who's done an amazing job and been there and been helpful and been available. Um, Can't thank you two enough, obviously. 
for being a part of this. And then also thank Daddy Kev for providing us a space for eight years and being um, a home base and a solid rock. You know, when I first started this show eight years ago, I would just go to the studio secretly during the day and play video games and hang out because it had air conditioning and I didn't. And I would be just absolutely burning up in my apartment. So I would drive all the way across town from Culver City to Atwater Village and play God of War <laughs> and uh, not realizing that Kev got like probably messages every time that I unlocked the security system and knew that I was hanging in there and just basically being a squatter essentially. But yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, this show has gotten me to some amazing places. It's gotten me some amazing opportunities. I've traveled all across the country because of it. It's really, really important to me. We're small, but mighty and proud. You know, the following is small, but the impact is enormous. So I'm proud of it. Without further ado, I'm going to get into this episode with Mavi, who I was already a big fan of. And after meeting him and speaking with him, I'm just an even bigger fan. Can't speak highly enough about him. Go check out the records. Give him some of that streaming bread. Cop a vinyl if you see it. And um, look out for the new stuff because I think he's going to come out swinging in these next months and years so here it is this is my conversation with mavi You know, I was like, I had given up on having anybody from out of state on the show. Right. Because, like, the apocalypse happened. But then you had Z Loopers on. I did. He was out here, like, dun, that, dun. that was before the pandemic hit. So, like, the first, like... You caught Lee. I caught, I caught a few guys, like, right before the pandemic hit. Right. But anyways. But not in that spirit, though. Yeah. That's why, like, I'm trying to do last things first, kind of. Yeah, totally. Like, um... I came to you first because you were the last thing I was, like, finna do out here. Yeah. And then um, my next show is in Houston. Oh, amazing. And my last show was in Houston. It's in the same venue, actually. Nice. Yeah, but the venue is crazy. Like, it's crazy how much a year has changed stuff. Like, the venue has gotten... It's like a warehouse. Yeah. But, like, now all kinds of celebrities are throwing through. They got flamethrowers and shit. Now. What? Yeah. A year has made a crazy difference. So... In that spirit, that's why I've just been traveling around, seeing, like, even the youngest of my relationships, how they done mature. Did you um, stay at home for most of the time, or did you do any traveling during during the pandemic? Some people was out and about. Yeah, so I had moved. That was the major traveling that I had done. Yeah. Um, but when the pandemic hit, I was living in Maryland. I had taken a break out of school to do shows. Really? <laughs> yeah, because you're like you're like in the thick of college as as the raps start to kind of take off, huh? Yeah, 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 definitely in the hard part, the organic chemistries, the oh my calculuses of this shit. Um, you, where are you going to school? You're going to HBCU, yeah. Howard University. You going to Howard, yeah? And what are you majoring in? Biology. You are majoring in bio. Wow, that's a lot of memorization right there, huh? Yeah, but 
it's systematic. Same like this rap shit. Yeah. If it's going to place or it's a cycle, the cycle going to complete in a way that makes sense to uh-huh. like the beginning. Yeah. That's how you keep your, your mnemonics That's tight, heavy. you know? Mnemonic devices and such. So so you you kind of are using the same part of your brain for the rap shit and the bio shit? Definitely, like, adjusting your mind to memorizing systems. Definitely how you go through a whole set, you know, shit like that. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Tell me about using mnemonic devices to r- memorize your raps. Do you do that? Nah. No? Well, yeah. my brain, I use a system like a mnemonic device. Okay. Like, like to remember the steps of photosynthesis. I remember all the products, kind of. Yeah. If you know. like I don't it, know that much about photosynthesis. <laughs> I know what photosynthesis is, but I don't know any of yeah. the steps anymore. Yeah, but like if I were to teach you it now from a perspective of somebody who would have known it, if I show you like, okay, this happens and this happens and this happens and then what else? If I tell you the beginning and the end, you kind of forgot the middle. I got you. you feel me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you moved to Maryland. Yeah, so... I was living in Maryland going to school, and I decided to take a break from school um, in January to do shows. And then? Dumbest timing ever. Right. Um, like, literally, like, it was bad. But, um, yeah, so then I go back to school yeah. remotely. So I leave my apartment in Maryland. I move back to Charlotte for a bit yeah. with my mom and them. And then I basically go straight to um, another apartment I move into that's in New York, in Harlem. Oh. Um, And so I stayed up there through the winter, came back to Charlotte like January. I still got my apartment up there, but I've just been staying down here. Yeah. I mean, in Charlotte. In Charlotte, right, right. And so you're born and raised in Charlotte? Yeah. 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 Tell me about Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte, like, a, it's a beautiful, like, baby metropolis yeah. in the South. You know, burgeoning economy, good art scene. Growing up in Charlotte, well, how did, how did your folks end up in Charlotte? Um, following my pops. So, basically, when I was born, I went, like, living with mama, like, like, first out of dorm room, to, like, her rooming with these other folks. Yeah. Living in a trailer. This all still in South Carolina. Yeah. I was born in South in Carolina. In South Carolina, yeah. So basically just moving around, young parent shit. Yeah. Um, they had you while they were in college. Yeah. And so my mom basically stayed back in South Carolina and was like working at Belk. And my pops, he went up to Charlotte and he was getting like, um, like coding certificates. Oh, okay, yeah. And so like he started fucking with like microsoft and like avid exchange and shit yeah and he was a carpenter too and he was building houses and like coding and then um yeah he that's just a well-rounded man yeah i feel like people that learn to code they don't do shit with their hands this guy, this guy's out here doing both oh yeah my dad just built a fucking um a shed in the backyard like from like planks like to a shed that's dope he really liked that that's god work you know what i'm saying to be able to manipulate like the material realm and like logic yeah that takes a that takes different sides of the brain i feel like for sure um did you pick up on building stuff a little bit so like i put down my like wood floor in my room yeah put down like the tile in his bathroom like built his bathroom nice i built a lot of shit in my childhood built like garden bed built like a studio console yeah i built a, a, a good amount of shit it ain't my favorite shit yeah it is something i really want to get really nice at though yeah, it is same. 
It is. Man, you know, growing up, my uh, step-grandfather was like a really good woodworker, like a great carpenter, more like um, less building practical things and more like, you know, carving bowls and making jewelry boxes and oh, shit like that. Oh, the handiwork, the cra- like that's art. Yeah, the craft, it really was art. But I was like a young dumbass, too too like naive to recognize it. And so he, he was really looking for somebody that, like he wanted to teach a youngster to right. do it. And I was like, you're not my real grandfather type shit. And I never picked up on it. And now he's passed away. And I'm like, fuck, I wish yeah. I would have learned that. What a dumbass. That's a mature love, bro. Yeah. Um, and they used to just snatch niggas when they was little boys and force them to learn it. Uh. Those sorts of things for a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So when you move to Charlotte with your dad, does your, your mom stays back in South Carolina? Yeah. Does he have family in Charlotte? Help him? Nah, he just... It's just the two of you. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of how we work, my family story. Um, And so, my of course, like, my South Carolina family is, like, definitely the rock, the gravity that hold us all together. Yeah. But in terms of, like, taking this new step, as far as just, like, being able to drop your kids off at grandma's house, auntie yeah. house, yeah. not an option. Really. That's why yeah. we're so latchkey, even yeah. though we have so much, so large family, because we just kind of far... Anyway, dad move up there, apartment up, mama come up there, apartment up, job up, nursing, stop playing, nigga, we in this bitch, <laughs> uh, move around, few different apartment complexes on the east, Yeah, get a crib on the north, and then that's basically my whole life, like, like that whole, like how I skip a whole lot, that's basically like from about like three years old to like now. Really? And that's just Charlotte. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so your folks together or or no? Yeah, definitely. Were, okay, so so dad was moving up there just kind of like to get the foundation set. On some pioneer shit. And then bring mom and, and, and then you, brothers uh, and sisters? Yeah, I, I'm the I'm the oldest though. Yeah. My pop had like my older sister before me. She was like uh, four at the time. Yeah, right. So my mom was like 20, so dating like like she was like 21 20 dating like a 23 year old with like yeah. a two-year-old oh yeah wow <laughs> yeah. yeah right right yeah so, and so did did dad take the older sister with him up to charlotte too when you took him nah my sister she stayed with her mom like for the majority and came down to visit like yeah. on holidays and shit but she like she was raised like in bed stop brooklyn oh wow crazy yeah. it's crazy how family worked though because yeah <laughs> no, explain. Was your dad up in New York for a while too? Nah. Oh. So he met her mom at the University of Virginia where he graduated. Okay, yeah. The reason why it's crazy about how family in New York work is because, like, my grandmama on my mama's side, yes, she's the only one of her sisters to stay in South Carolina. Oh. All the rest of them moved up to Philly and New York. Right. So I got auntie, cousins, all of this in New York. Probably like Philly. during during like the Great Migration. Where, where So it's like whole real strong branches of my family in the north yeah and then my sister was raised there so it's like little attractive elements to me and every little part of the east coast from like florida to new york for that makes sense because you just got little pockets of family all over the place already now that said do you feel like a any sort of strong connection to south carolina since you have roots there Yeah, yeah for sure i'm getting buried there yeah oh really yeah 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 does it just feels different when you're there or what i mean like i'm black yeah when you can point to a gravestone of somebody you related to yeah who like the first one like since slavery yeah 
I got to lay over there. I got you. Yeah, because you can trace it all the way back. Regardless of kind of how big I am or whatever happens or where I move or where I live or die. Yeah. I got to lay there because, like, just kind of. No, that's a beautiful thing. I don't want to (laughs) cry. Hey, if you cry, we cry. I swear. You know. I've been emotional. Uh, I've cried more times than I would like to admit on this show, to be honest. When people, if anybody ever surprises me with like a dead parent story, I'm like waterworks instantly, bro. Yeah, I'm ready to cry with a nigga. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, I'm I'm definitely a bleeding heart. Like to my closest friends. Yeah. I definitely be like a damn, bro. Like when you cry, I cry. When you laugh, I laugh. When you laugh, I'm mad. You're an empath. Yeah. Yeah. Just with them niggas, because like, you know what I'm saying? What? You know what I'm saying? I'd be ready to be mad with it. You could, you can feel that listening to your raps, though, that you're, that you wear your heart on your sleeve, don't you think? Yeah, but sometimes I'd be withdrawn. It, I think both show themselves, too. Like, yeah. Are you a Cancer? Nah, Libra. Oh, okay. Oh, my wife's a Libra. Mike is also a Libra. Okay, yeah. Mike's one of my faves. Yeah, yeah. Like I mentioned, I was talking, when I was talking to Dimaggio, I was like, Is Dimaggio a Libra? No, I, you know what? I didn't even ask. He might be, but I was telling him, I'm like, how are you from the Bay? You sound like you're from the moon. I'm like, where does you and Mavi and Mike, like, where does, where do those influences come from? Cause you guys rap like, unlike anything I've heard, you know what I mean? It just sounds so, I don't know. It just sounds like, like I said, it just appeared. Um, it's not out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, it's definitely gener not what it's out of everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's from blog rap. Okay, yeah. It's from Vince and Earl. Yeah, yeah. And Mac. Yeah. And Dash and Reg and Absol and Al and that twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen era. Yeah, right. It's from the olden days. It's from respectively where we all got familiar roots from. Yeah. So it's like shared pots and different pots. So it's like good bags, you know? He said something very similar where he was like, you know, in conversing with Mavi in the past, he's like, when when I bring up stuff that I listen to, he listens to that same stuff. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, that that shared influence. Definitely. And Doom, especially. Oh, My God, Doom. That's... Um, you, got a, you got a Doom tattoo? Yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, that's really the one. That's that's what make us all cousins in this shit. Talk, talk about crying. When I found out on First New rapper Year's I ever Eve, cried. Oh, my God. I was crying. Like, I, I don't cry for celebrities, Mm-mm. but, man. First. That ruined... Oh, man. That was, like, the was worst way to end up. the year, dude. Oh. And everybody was hitting me like, "Are you okay?" That's how you know. That's how you. Know. That's how you know it was important. You know, uh, one of my one of my good rap friends, uh, Mike Eagle, yeah. and I know how much Doom means to him. And first, I was like, "Oh my god, did you hear Mike? They, they fucking saying Doom died." And man, it was so sad. Bad day. Fuck. I'll, ne- I'll never forget that day. Um, <sighs> for a split second, I, I'm gonna do something. I thought this. I thought you know what? This is some shit that Doom would do. He's like, this is pretend. This is a, mm-hmm. he's faking his death. I'm like, this can't be real. This is. Some- but I honor that even because even in his transition, he maintained the dignity of himself and his family and that privacy and that intimacy. Yep. And I really I honor that really highly. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah, man. Um, tell me about Mavi growing up. 
First off, let me double check that I'm saying your name correctly because yeah, it's Mavi. Okay, if you were saying Mavi, yeah, I probably would have like been like my body language would have been worse. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I like I, I was ninety percent sure, but I just Mavi to is check. the one that like, uh, like I got a real. Yeah. Like my name, Omavi. Yeah. I ain't no name to play with type of shit. Yeah, explain. I mean, like, it's just not one of them names, like, to say wrong yeah. or to even say for real. Yeah. If you don't know how to say it. Not even. It, yeah. it's, it's even beyond that. If some nigga know how to say it, they shouldn't even say it. Uh. It's like a, it's like a good version of a cuss word uh-huh. type of shit. It's like saying, like, amen after weird shit, if you say Omavi in weird context. Uh-huh. Just because it's just that my parents loaded it up with shit for me. Really? Already. Yeah. For sure. But, yeah, well, yeah, what was a lot of questions? No, I could just listen to you <laughs> pontificate about that for like a half hour if you want to, low key. Um, I, I mean, I I love uh, explanations about things like that, but if you don't feel like you want to, don't feel don't. It's feel a, it's an African name book. Yeah, it means the highest. Oh wow! I'm the highest in the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was childhood in my life? Yeah. What What were you like? Were you a curious kid? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I showed Nadir on Facetime one time. It was these books called, um, it was two things. One was New Book of Knowledge, yeah. which was a series of encyclopedias. And one was Childcraft. And um, New Book of Knowledge, I had A through D of an encyclopedia set. And I ran through them. Yeah. Uh, ran through dictionaries as a kid. Childcraft, they used to have this shit. It was so crazy. It was like for kids. It like came out for like when my mama was a kid type of shit. Yeah. But it had all type of shit like how how things work. So they had one book that was just all about how popular uh, consumer goods be manufactured. Yeah. One was about animals. One was about how to raise kids, like the parent one. Yeah. Like I read that one. Right. Like I was reading everything. I was yeah. yeah I was blowing the bags at the book fair. I'm all of that. For sure, I'm a, uh, I'm a lifelong learner. Yeah, natural, organic consumer alike stuff. Yeah. So you have an uh, unquenchable thirst for knowledge. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and and I don't know that it's like unquenchable in terms of like where it's compilatory, but where it's like compulsory. Yeah. If I got a curiosity, I got to kind of, got to know a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I got to look it up. Yeah, yeah. My my mom likes to brag on the fact that I was like an early talker and an early reader. Mm-hmm. Do your parents say the same thing about you? I don't know that I was an early reader. Yeah. I I really think I started reading like kindergarten. That's still early, relatively. People, I mean, I think they don't even really start teaching it hardcore until, like, first grade. No. I swear. Bruh, I'm way younger than you, bruh. You're half my age, literally. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, yeah. But they could do was learn how to read. Yeah. And I remember, let me tell you, yeah. how I know I'm not an early reader. Because I remember it being, like, Tom, like, not early, like, not the earliest. Yeah. Um, I remember it was times like in class, like the reason I'm not good at like 
I feel like um, like hand stuff yeah. sometimes, like manipulating small things. I just got good at like rolling papers and shit. Yeah. I'm not good at like cutting and gluing. And yeah, me neither. Because I'm left-handed though. That's why. I think it was because I was learning how to read while them niggas was 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 cutting and gluing for the uh, first time. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I remember that shit. If I'm capping, I hope my parents listen to this and tell me you lying. But I remember that shit, bro. Yeah. I swear. But once you learned to read, then the floodgates opened and you were just wanting to oh, read yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you, were you like a magazine reader as a kid? Were there, like, and I, the reason I asked that is because like my dad used to subscribe to Rolling Stone. And before I even like really knew about music, I was just reading music articles, you know? Yeah, probably like. A black enterprise. Yeah. It was like a Charlotte like black business journal. My dad is on Charlotte Observer. Yeah. Um, Sumter Item when I'm in South Carolina, they got the comics and shit. Yeah. Uh I used to read Catulas. You know, you know about that? No. It used to be like this like monthly journal that just sent all kind of weird, like like almost like gag gifts. Yeah. But like really like niche shit. Like you get a cool drone on there or something. Oh, yeah. Like, like weird, cool shit. You get a cool BB gun on there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, almost like the shit you would see on an airplane, like, where it's like, um, uh, air, what are those magazines? Uh, the yeah, just, just cool shit to yeah. buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. them shits, um, as far as magazines, but... Like yeah, I used to like go to the magazine section though when my mom was in the was in the grocery store for yeah, sure. Yeah. For sure. Hobbies as a child that you remember, what were they? Um, I like playing I'm a black kid. I like playing basketball. I like playing video games. Yeah. I like to rap and then I like to smoke weed. Literally in that order, that's my that's kinda of what I like. Yeah. Um, I didn't did a whole bunch of shit. Like I played instruments. Yeah, what instruments did you pick up? Um, French horn, and trumpet. I played baseball, all type of other things. Kind of those is like, like I'm a simple man. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, could you hoop? No, not like that. Like I'm a I'm a joy hooper. Yeah, I yeah. do it for happiness. Right, right. I bought for God. <laughs> no, but you know that nigga KD, Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You need to read his fucking New York Times yeah. um, profile they did of him, like just ahead of the playoffs. Yeah, and he was he said one of the craziest any basketball player has ever said to me. He said God speaking on courts around the world. Yeah, he like he hooped like for a spiritual from like that kind of play. Yeah, yeah, and that's like he like he said he grateful for the game of basketball, not even for the money and this and that that he learned, but all that it showed him about life, about humanity, about God. Yeah, wow. Yeah. What other places in your life do you find God? Um, in love. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Yeah. Literally in love, in physics. Wow. In geometry. That's where I find God. So architecture too, oh, by yeah. extension, masonry. Yeah. Building work. Yeah. Yeah. And so you say, as a kid, you would like to rap already, too. When do you remember, like, starting to write your own raps? Or, or was it a process of, like, first you were memorizing other people's raps, that type of thing? Nah, I always memorize all songs, though. Really? I sing all songs in the car. Yeah. My boo says I sing every song, everywhere. Yeah. I was just real good at that, always. I remember all kinds of songs from when I was a little boy and stuff, too. Really? Yeah. And so, like... I don't know. Like, 
you you take out the trash and you think of some little clever shit. You like, oh, that's hard. Yeah, you know, and yeah. then it's just a little seed. I can't remember the first seed, but I know it started that way. Like a little, oh, like, damn, I sounded cool thinking that. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And then would you write them down or just kind of tuck them away in the memory? A little bit of tucking at first, a lot of tucking. Yeah, and then it started writing, and then. It was kind of off to the races. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Were there any um, teachers that noticed your writings and, and are like uh, uh, encouraged your poetry or anything like that? <laughs> Hell no. No. Uh, yeah. I well, I ain't no good poetry for no fucking school, dude. <laughs> oh, I did have like, all right, all right. I had one teacher in second grade who like told my parents like, need he needs to change schools, and like. Had me do all type of tests and all of this shit and all that shit. And I did that and I switched schools. So you go to like a magnet school or something? Yeah. Yeah. But then the magnet school is in the hood. Like, I ended up going to like school in the hood, like my whole school. It's crazy. Like, I ended up going to nigga ass nigga schools like yeah. the whole time. Yeah. But then when I went to the nigga school, I was in like class, I was in third grade with class of fourth, fifth graders too. Yeah. Then after that, how I remember teachers just dealing with me, which is kind of the way even they deal with me now to some extent is um like niggas ain't fuck with it like like you disruptive like like you know they, what I'm saying they said you were disruptive yeah were you were you a class clown or how were you disruptive no um, I was just questioning everything that yeah I don't know it was obvious I was bored sometimes that and makes then, sense. And yeah. then teachers got upset with that a that makes lot. Sense. They get upset with that yeah. a lot. But that's like it was not it's not because I'm bored out of no real like hey, fuck this way. Like I'll be bored out of like, okay, you just taught me this concept and I just did three practice problems on my notes. So now I get it, let's go. Cool. Yeah. Like like you know? Yes. And I understand like everybody need a chance to raise their hand and get it wrong and shit. But like, what you didn't I'm have the patience for what that. What the fuck I'm supposed to be doing? In yes. the I totally understand. It sounds to me like you probably should have skipped a few grades. Nah, I ain't no. I'm dumb though. Like, I ain't saying Stop. all this to sound smart. Like, I am dumb though. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're smart enough to know that you're dumb, which is a, which is dumb in and of itself is a self-aware. Did Did you catch yourself like sleeping in class sometimes because of that boredom? Nah, because I used to do that where I would be like, okay, I get it, I'm gonna go to sleep, and my teachers would get pissed, but I'm like, I'm gonna teach this, sh I'm gonna teach myself at home because like this is going too slow. Nah, I couldn't sleep at school, bro. Huh. I'm like, I'm excitable. Really? Like this nigga Sasha say, I'm a dog, like. You know how a dog, like, yeah, yeah. anything happened in the room, knew they got to go. Like, I was like that. So uh. I would fall asleep, like, if I had, like, after, like detention or some shit like that or, like, recovery or driver's ed. Like, some after school shit, yeah, I'm falling asleep. But during school, I, I was I was up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was just, like, not there, though. I checked out a little bit sometimes. Yeah. So when you say you went to the, your words hood schools, like so the before you tested out of the first school, majority black school. Yeah, yeah, and then the magnet school is also majority black. Yeah, and then you go on to an HBCU. Yeah, right? and then uh, I went to two majority black high schools. Yeah, like a mix, like metropolitan, like city middle school. Yeah, and then HBCU. So, Cause I often wonder about like 
the education system and and how systemic racism affects black education because you know in my like heart of hearts i always thought oh these um integrated schools where where everybody's getting equal opportunity will be best and yada 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 and then i've the more research i've done the more i've learned that like the more integrated a school is the worse it can be for black students you know what i mean and so do you feel as though like in hindsight you were lucky to go to majority black schools the whole time sorry if that was a lot of sociology that's not a lot i want to answer it honestly yeah yeah but i don't want to first let me say this yeah and i I think i retweeted this but black educators do so much beyond like what is expected of like the baseline good teacher yeah in order to make up for the deficits and like mm-hmm. black children's education prior mm-hmm. boom however <laughs> in terms of like mm, tolerance of attendance issues uh, strict disciplinary referral to go to jail to reform school pipeline this and that and this and yeah, that yeah. all of these things still all the way exist yeah. And at your black school, for example, mm-hmm. I never went to a high school with an auditorium. Wait, no, no, I'm lying. West Charlotte had an auditorium. Mm-hmm. Barry did not have an auditorium. West Charlotte didn't have no electives besides band, mm. child development studies, and cosmetology, and gym while I was there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Myers Park had fucking horticulture. Uh-huh. They had an on-campus fucking garden. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, in some ways, like going to the black school mean nobody's gonna be racist to you. I don't mean racism don't happen to you for one, right? Yeah, because like that's the implication of you even being at a black school to begin with. Like the black school that I went to was a white school gutted by white flight when it became integrated. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. And then when. And then it probably lost a lot of funding due to white flight, et cetera, et cetera. Bingo. Yeah. And then it's not like that funding for them schools is suddenly bolstered by the recent gentrification. Right. No. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, I listened to this fucking podcast about that thing where like when gentrification happens and these like well-intentioned parents move their white kids to these predominantly black and latinx schools it's like they think they're helping and then they come in and powerhouse everything and leave the students they thought they were helping out of everything you know what i'm saying my thing is like when white people want to help black people with Black people racial standing in society. Yeah. They need to be doing something primarily to affect white people. Yeah, that's right. Or spending some bread. That's it. <laughs> Fucking reparations, man. Like, like that's really it for me. Like like you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of this shit that gotta happen for black people to be in the place that I think me and Nadira would agree. Yeah. Qualify as free. Yeah. Is going to depend on a lot of things coming from within and outside of the black community, right? Yeah. But of those outside things, there's not that many of them. 
as far as what type of shit it is, as far as transformative, symbolic, like it's not gonna be the white Martin Luther King for niggas. No, never. Right. <laughs> and so, like, that's just what it is. It is just like, I think sometimes when your well intentioned is like get like self flagellatory a little bit. Yeah. Who is it for? Because even like, because, it, boom, at the heart of it is this. Yeah. If you see black people as your equal, uh-huh. a people with dignity, why behave indignantly around them? As your social reflex. <laughs> and that's what it is for me. Like, this shit bad, bro. Like, this shit real bad, but like, it done been bad, and then I'm been worse. Like, yeah, and it's gonna get bad, and it's gonna get worse, and it's gonna get better. Like, yeah, like as far as like artistic belly aching, like nigga, write a rapper or some shit. Like, I don't really want to hear all this. Like, oh, I stand with like, all right, bro. Like, that shit sound amazing, and then nigga, like, it really be like the the shows of solidarity. Yeah, that really be the most like performative. Yeah, you ever read that book, Invisible Man? I, I, yeah, no, I've not read it. Read that book. Basically, about this nigga, you real good at giving speeches at HBCU. Yeah, get kicked out the HBCU because he take one of the white trustees somewhere he wasn't supposed to take him right. on a tour to campus. Moved to Harlem, gave a speech at the doorstep of this lady that was being evicted. Yeah, because a crowd was developing at the front. A leftist organizer seen him, recruited him. Started making him give big communist speeches to the whole of the New York workers on behalf of the Negroes. Mm-hmm. Then a big like uprising in a political sense, but mass destruction in like an empirical sense uh-huh. goes down in Harlem, and none of the communists fuck with him on trying to like do anything about the situation. And that's what this whole shit is for. I feel like this is a very poignant topic right at this moment because tomorrow is like the first year that Juneteenth is being celebrated federally. And to me, <laughs> that feels like the most performative thing in recent Give memory. niggas they bread, bruh. How much do you think the U.S. is losing in another bank holiday in, in money? Right. Give us our fucking bread, bruh. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, so basically, like, Niggas ain't hear about they ain't have to be slaves no more. Yeah. Till like way later. Yeah. And then they discovered they was not slaves. No, like that's what we celebrating, bro. It was like I think it was like three years later or something. Like, like can, that, we, yeah. can we can we say that that's what it is, yeah. bro? Like they was having niggas do slavery because like Texas just lied to them. They yeah. was having niggas do slavery way after it was legal. Yeah. And take, slavery was something that was legal under right. this flag. So it's like, like I don't know, bro. As far as the United States government go, bro, like yeah. my exhaustion with that apparatus is like flammable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that shit is like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So <laughs> right. Don't get me to talk about America, bro, because <laughs> this shit is like super evil yes. and super haunted like like if like it's haunted as haunted get 
does it like when when you see the government passing something like a federal holiday for Juneteenth? I I have to wonder contextually if like black people in America felt that way when MLK Day became a holiday because I look at it like it's always been a thing since I've been alive and I'm always like oh this is this beautiful but celebration. MLK, and MLK learn, Day is a different thing. But do you know how MLK Day came to be? Uh, I I think I've read it and forgot it. In you know what I mean. But, but I would love to hear it. Can again. I remind? Yeah, you? please do. Please do. Stevie Wonder threw a tour. Yeah. With Bob Marley at first. Oh wow. Who got replaced because he was going through the toe thing. Yeah. And his transition. Took Gil Scott Heron on tour. Mm-hmm. Spoke on the floor of Concord. You know that song, Happy Birthday yes. to yeah. You. Yeah. yeah. That song, how black people say Happy Birthday. That song is about Martin Luther King. Uh, yeah, he toured that song. That song's like a super smash hit. They got it to Congress. They voted. And they won. Yeah, off Stevie Wonder. That's no cap. Stevie Wonder is the reason we got Martin Luther King Day. Period. Him. I actually, <laughs> I did not know that. That is not the, that is not the story. That's amazing. I yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Because yeah, I don't know. Like yeah, I I just think like I think back like how like i said americans uh, white americans hated martin luther king and now they use him as an excuse one day a year to be like oh yeah by the way i'm not racist you know mm-hmm. uh and and totally have um soiled his name you know what i mean like by yeah. by abusing his speeches and such and, and so living through juneteenth becoming a holiday just feels a little it feels filthy to me because nothing in america has changed as far as Niggas like still a in reparation, jail for all yeah. Type of shit. I mean, California, Niggas one of the biggest get... economies in California is marijuana, and yet there are still thousands of black men in prison because of marijuana. You all know right. what I mean? Like shit, like that. Like there's there's been no actual change, but it's been a lot of change though. Like we got iPhones now. Yeah, nigga got solar panels now. Change for who? This shit always gonna be growing. It's always gonna be changing. Mm-hmm. It's about directing that change toward people who enrich that change wherever they go because one thing like i think people don't even take into account because racism is so bad yeah it's like even like slavery aside like black people are really good for america i mean (laughs) like american culture realistically (laughs) that that gets exported from all of all of american culture that gets exported to other countries is black culture right Real like, shit. that's what i'm saying rock so and roll like, rap music jazz everything it's the all smashes like we yeah. we help it like we doing it right all, wholeheartedly right so i was like i don't know bro like with that shit bro america like suck my dick on that shit like most white people bro just know like your black friends is interacting with you because they like pretty sure you're not gonna be racist to you this to them this time yeah. otherwise they probably ain't talking to you yeah. And they probably know that you probably will say a thing or two that that reflect lack of understanding about how it be to be a black person. Right. All women feel that way when you talk to if you're a nigga. So it's like, like, okay, we all don't know all type of shit about where we come from. Yeah. Acknowledge that where I come from is a place that's real foundational to like a real sense of luxury that you were allowed to enjoy. And we straight. We can wash our hands with each other. Uh-huh. And that's it. Yeah. I don't, like, yeah. I, but, uh, like, yeah, and it's a lot, I don't know. Other people got their thoughts on, like, what white people should be doing and shit, but, like, 
I don't have that even much experience with white people. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll tell you <laughs> straight up, Mavi, that was going to be one of my next questions is like, did you grow up with any white people? Because that does obviously affect someone's worldview. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like kind of like, yeah, like when I see white people, it's like, like one time, yeah. like for example, one of my formative experiences with white people, one time, young parent shit. Yeah. Nick called my dad phone, bill collector. And my dad like, tell him not home. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he's not home. Like, I can hear him. And uh-huh. the nigga on the other side of the line started like pressing my shit like, hey, nigga. And my dad said, what he said to you, son? Bring me the phone. Said all type of shit. I can't even repeat. Now yeah, I'm yeah. grown. Right. All type of shit. Put him in his place. Yeah, yeah. Just shit like that. So like, my shit is like, when white people have done things, like for example, one one of my early forays into white white America yeah. was this program I did, and like it did a lot of good things for me, but it also treated me super weird. Uh. And then like that's kind of like all my experience with white people. Like they could do some good things for you, but they probably gonna treat you a little weird. But that's really like, and so. All that aside. Yeah. All that aside. When it comes down to when I think about like black liberation ideology, what we gotta do to get from point A to point B, what's my job to do as a gener- as a black person in my generation, as a black man to head up some stuff in my generation. Um I was really thinking of in terms of like what I didn't see my granddaddy do, my great granddaddy do. Yeah. You know what what I actually see people who turn zero into one, you know, that that like eat what I eat. That's it. So it's like, that's why I don't see too much of a role. And because, like, you know, like, nigga got to do that shit. Like, we really do. Like, it's it's things that it's inter, wait, inter or inter? It's intercommunal issues within the black community, right? Uh-huh. Issues of gender, sexuality, that is so complex by, like, our earlier ways of being and our culture in America, right? Right. That, like, if we can get to the bottom of it, like, even, like, intersectionality. Yeah. This pivotal fucking foundation building block of, like, modern feminism was invented to understand, like, the socio-political position of black women. Right. Intersectionality comes from a black woman sociologist, doesn't it? All this, yes. Yeah. Lawyer, or lawyer, <laughs> yeah. So all this to say that, like, it's things that we got to do for ourselves that is going to enrich and inspire and lead developmentally the world if we can get it right, right. in this time. Yeah. And I intend to help us get it right. And then at the same time, white people need to learn that that's none of their goddamn business. Yeah, or just like. I mean, it's like harm reduction type of shit, but like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that that's something like Americans got in a toolbox like politically. Mm-hmm. Like to think in terms of like, hey, maybe if I abstain from this thing that I like, things won't be worse for somebody else. Yeah. People don't think in them terms a lot here. No. Hardly never. Cuz of capitalism, it's like what's best for me at all times. Yeah. And like yeah, because of capitalism, especially in yeah. terms of business and yeah, and and money. But like, like nigga, nigga approach, for example, national parks. Yeah, National Park Service was founded before Native Americans were granted 
U.S. citizenship under law. Right. That is because in the King James Bible, God created the earth and it created niggas for dominion over the earth. It's a fundamental relation that comes from a religious ethic between man and nature that play out everywhere that America or anything in that lineage touch. All that to say, when we come to think about like how we can expect X ethnic group or X, X group to reduce their harm on Y group, they distant harm even. It ain't in nigga capacity right now. It's really not. Oh. The best nigga could do is some Juneteenth as a federal holiday shit. Not nigga. The best white people really could do is some Juneteenth as a federal holiday shit. I think right now. Yeah. Like, earnestly. Like, out of their heart, heart right now. Yeah. It, it might change. Like, and it might be getting places like a generation changing. People have babies who born different ways and in different types of places. And, and it's existed in different pockets, even. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? In Chicago and Panther, maybe in New York in some areas. Yeah. Um, but it remains to be seen. I can't really tell. I'm not going to be Nostradamus on race relations because I don't think that that's a political relation that's a cyclical or it's, like, easy to understand as that. You don't? You don't? Well, I think it's cyclical in such that, like, the political, like, manifestations of racism mm-hmm. modernized, normal. Yeah. But I don't think it's cyclical in that what happened before necessarily is always going to happen because our sample size, like race is so young, yeah. even compared to humanity. Right. <laughs> um, as far as like the cyclical nature of the shit goes, just in what's going on, like literally at this moment with the discussions of Juneteenth, with the discussions of critical race theory, oh. these, these uh, critical race theory being this boogeyman that the GOP is bringing up, like th- that, yeah. that is the cyclical type of shit that, oh, yeah. that intrigues me because it's the same playbook of like every 10, 15 years conservatives in america just rebrand the same boogeyman under Which a different name like so cancel culture used to be pc culture used to be you know uh whatever it's like it's the same thing that white people always bitch about because they don't want to like stop being assholes <laughs> yeah you know? yeah yeah to a large extent yeah. like um is is and like even this thing where we tie like radical black thought yeah like bro like marxism is a cuss word right still like we're like if a nigga even do some shit good if they throw that word on you like niggas will react like how they used to just like nigga cosplaying like really and like that's the shit about white people like like on that side like on the hate side like on like the really like and not even white on the ally side because niggas y'all y'all niggas doing y'all best bro like <laughs> keep like keep doing y'all best bro. like keep try, like try fucking harder bro like do yeah, better but yeah. keep doing your best bro but the niggas who like outright hating like Y'all not, like, they not even to like that nigga. Like, the niggas who really hated niggas is, like, they dying, bro. Like, y'all niggas is not them, bro. Like, y'all niggas not murking shit. Like, I know this sounds crazy, but I'm just saying, like, whatever any white supremacist group in the Charlotte, greater Charlotte area want to yeah. do, we will all the shooting and fighting. And they won't make it out because uh, they not like that. Right. Like, them niggas is not chasing no nigga out of no southern town, nowhere, nothing, ever, never again. Right. I swear, 
Yeah. It's over with for that. That's why I say it's non cyclical. Because certain things certain things can't happen no more. Right. Like 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 certain things happen and happen and happen till they can't happen. And when right. a certain amount of things can't happen no more, yeah. then different things finna start to so happen. So when we talk about like Black Wall Black Wall Street and like the Tulsa Massacre, which like most of America is just now finding out, you're saying things like that can't happen and thereby that's not cyclical at this point. Shit, that might can't happen. Nigga do regularly militarize the fucking National I mean, Guard yeah. in the US army against black like business black protests and shit like that right right but i'm saying certain things in terms of psychological terror and intimidation yeah that's no longer there Uh. like we not scared of shit like you might gotta bomb us out again Uh and again and again and again until you can't bomb us no like that might be it but like we're a nigga finna be Oh, I'm dirty. Oh, I'm smoking weed out on here. Like, I'm ducking. Like, nah, like, I'm Kim. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just the kind of, that's Omavi again. Yeah. Like, that's what, that's that name on you again. Yeah. Like, yeah. Certain shit ain't happening no more. Yeah. And certain shit, certain shit ain't really never happened that much. Like as much as they done, like, and not even to say that niggas always been scary or niggas always been ducking and because that's definitely not the case. But I'm just saying, certain shit is it's ov. Yeah, at least from this side. Being that you've clearly done so much work and so much research into this sort of thing, uh, I don't even know what this sort of thing means. Like just the fact that you're like being so, a nigga. You know what I'm saying? You're so, you're so tapped into the history of things and and um, yeah. Who are the mentors that put you on it? Like, who's guided your way? Or is it just like, oh, this book begat this book, and because I read this, I wanted to read this? Or do you have, no. you have people, like, ancestors? It's everybody, yeah, though. Yeah. Um, I kind of ache for, like, a hand-to-glove-fit mentor, especially in, like, the specific things I like to read and learn about. And that hasn't really happened. That's got to be hard because you seem like you have a very specific um, worldview. So it's probably hard to find somebody that could be that perfect mentor. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely been the challenge of the day as far as like just finding older counterparts to myself to like yeah. lean on. Yeah. But um, everybody, though, like all teachers who have taught me history in any sort of way with the consistencies or the holes or the specific effort taken to go and fill those gaps and connect connect those years connect those eras yeah all of that developed into this you know what i'm saying yeah i try to draw from as much as i have verified to be true only as possible you know what i'm saying yeah are there certain peers that you've run into who who share like a worldview that's very close to yours that you confide in yeah like all us like and it's because, like, I think all of my friends have really strong spiritual backgrounds in terms yeah. of, like, what their family is into. Yeah. Did you grow up in the church? No. No. Uh-uh. So not, Hell, not no. like... I grew up the opposite of the church. Not Christian, or not Christian spirituality then. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh-uh. yeah. Not in my crib. Yeah. No nothing. No nothing. And that's why I was able to understand stuff for stuff. Yeah, differently, but that aside, yeah, continue. All of my friends that got this strong spiritual background and a family, as far and like a strong just curiosity toward the world. Yeah, I definitely connect with like on this level. Whether that's like just a mirror who's studying like Taoism on this type of timing, or 
sideshow, who's on this type of time, who's from there. This like it's just different country, different place, different bloodlines. Yeah, that all is like in a pursuit to understand this thing. Yeah, and to live in that understanding. And those are my friends. Yeah, for sure. You brought up a really interesting point that makes me wonder um, when you say you grew up with whatever the opposite of of Christianity was in the house. Like, was it atheism? Is that it? Was it a a, a non belief in in God or a higher power? No, no. Because also, my dad is a philosopher and a scientist himself in a building. Yeah, and you know, stuff got a proper order. Yeah, that's consistent and measurably true. Uh huh. In any situation ever. Yeah. Um. All that aside. It was more like, hey, let's deny giving you a philosophical framework completely outside of you within this context need to value yourself, your family, and your place within your community and your family above anything else. Like how God values the universe. Uh-huh. That's it. That's all they gave us. So they weren't trying to push a worldview on you. They were allowing you to create your own worldview as Absolutely. long as you understood your place within the family. Absolutely. That's Which amazing. is like how the sun is to the earth. Yeah. You got to be that. Period. Yeah. You got to know how to build a house if we want to get Masonic. <laughs> right. And the reason I ask that is because I have an 11 week old son. Oh, um, I, shit. Yeah, just had a baby. And, and, you know, my wife and I are both, we share a very similar worldview. We share a similar outlook on, on, um, you know, all the things that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, we are both atheists. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. we are, we are non religious people. And so I just, I wonder about that because I know he's going to get exposed to like this idea of God and particularly like this kind of, um, fucking white christian evangelical god that exists so so prevalently in america and and i just and i wonder about like how what i'm gonna talk to him about that well i think you could tell him like like you know every year it's like this dust from the sahara yeah that blow across and then like bring like fertility to like the whole like united states like slowly over the course of a year i didn't know that but i'm not surprised that you know that it's big ass weather patterns yeah that negotiate every iota every fucking hydrogen molecule that like is in this room yeah that's true and you can hold up a dandelion and blow all the little shits off mm-hmm. that's how you like explain the concept of god kind of yeah. it's like big and small right it's the universe you are the sole controller yeah of you mm-hmm. you are that's how you made it in the image of that all of the stuff in the religious books be true, though. That's what they got disagree with my pops on. Huh. A lot of it be true. Well, not all of it, especially when it get all socially. Yeah. But, like, proverbially, that should be hit. Yeah. But, yeah, just show, bro, like, bro, this thing that you made out of, everything is made out of. Yeah. And nothing doesn't exist. So, like, Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bro, tell bro how like rocks are alive. Yeah. But like rocks aren't alive. We know this. Like yeah. it's true. But rocks like, if we treat a rock like it's not alive, we get here. 
Mm-hmm. That's the part of the ethic that fucked up. Just take out the dominion part and mm. Gucci. Be a benevolent, loving God to this earth and your earth. What like would you label your belief system as? Are you a Marxist? Are you a socialist? Like, do you uh, believe in certain spiritual organizations more than others, et cetera, et cetera? Like, I believe that the current American capitalism system, yeah, is adapted from the plantation system. Yeah, period. I believe that. You can never get rich working a job. Nope. You have to own something mm-hmm. or manipulate something. Which they're now trying to take out of our hands by making everyone permanent renters. Right. Yeah. I believe that ownership is an old boy fraternity. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in, I believe bad things about, real bad things about capitalism. Yeah. The rest, I got to... You're still figuring it out. Yeah, because... Sometimes they go in and play, like, uh, fucking Magic the Gathering with fucking, like, terms. Yeah. That's And then call it revolution. Niggas <laughs> be really playing a traded card game with a philosophical term that like four white niggas made up in the 1800s uh-huh. and like read it like not like it's prophecy uh-huh. and not that a lot of it is not one to one and a lot of it is not like astute and like accurate representations of like the systems that developed into these ones yeah but it ain't it ain't just that and I think that especially well let me tell you my one criticism of my one specific criticism of a lot of like proclaim like leftist Marxist stuff like this. A lot of times they global perspectives be limited to their specific political interests. Uh-huh. That is like even over where niggas be like, oh, where you won't be able to do it done the communism. I don't need to fear that. I fear that part because when the world is China, Russia, Palestine, Cuba, you know what I'm saying, Venezuela, Uh only, yeah, and not like Ethiopia, Libya, and it's not like these movements and these ideas haven't touched down and, and, and balanced their feet there and seen how it worked out. Right. Good or bad or pure or impure. But I'm saying, like, when we develop in a global perspective, historical perspective, philosophical perspective, that we trying to use to predict history, we got to include way more history. That's it. Yeah. That's a great point. <laughs> Because it's going to make a lot of answers that appear to be cut and dry, not so cut and dry. Right, right. And not even like, I'm not even walking around like communism saying like communism won't work or this or that. But I'm saying like specific theoretical components of understanding human behavior. Yeah. And not even as it relates to greed and shit, but as it relates to like just ordering a society. 
We got to learn from the trials and failures of all countries, not just the United States. Right. For the sharpest analysis possible. Right. Yeah. And part of me feels like the United States will never let that happen because our education system is 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 built to keep us thinking that other ways of thought are are wrong, you know, or evil. A little bit. It's about who we going to war with, but I think that that will be the death knell of this shit. Because mm. nobody else stopped talking to each other. You just stop listening. Mm. All right. I got. I have to, like, break the fourth wall a bit here and say we've already been talking for over an hour. All right. It didn't feel like it, but we that have. That was fast. It, it went very fast. And genuinely, thank you. That was really fantastic. I'm excited to actually listen to it again as I'm editing. But that said, I feel like for the audience i want to like throw in a little bit about music so like right. uh in 2019 you released this uh, amazing record let the sun talk Thanks. right it's beautiful um self-love the beat for self-love is like constantly stuck in my head uh i'm glad you still think it's good well because you don't no i do oh okay i think three years is like long for our album to be good and rap. it's only two years two years yeah, yeah. But no, I get it, you know. But it also ties into like when you discover it. I didn't discover it right when it came out. That's what I love too. You know what I mean? That's my favorite part. Cause it's like, bro. Sometimes I'd be looking at like the first day number. I'd be like, bro. First, everybody who fuck with you don't even know you dropped. No. And then, nigga gonna get put on like months later and be like, oh, I just went back and listened to you. Oh, that happens every day. Uh, so, oh, right. to anybody making music out here, bro, do not be worried about what shit do. Like the first week number sales, shit, bro. That's some like marketing, like label yeah. p- pissing contest shit, but do not worry about that shit, bro. Yeah. Like worry about like every person, every five people. Like, that's real. Like worry about that, cause like sometimes niggas be having growth to speak of, but because it's eight niggas, they don't honor it. Yeah, right. That's real, real, real unappreciative to me, especially a nigga who went one listen at a time. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. all that to say, yeah, 2019. How did you start figuring out that you were getting your little handfuls of eight listeners at a time? Like, did, as you're putting things out, did you start to get responses from people of, of like, wow, this is... Yeah, and one thing I, I appreciate about people, um, like, when they talk to me about my music, yeah, is they be, like, um, really specific, and they be really um, excited and appreciative. Yeah. And that does a lot for me, like more than people know. Um, and just seeing that happen more frequently, yeah. Um, or with multiple people at a time, or with one person going share this with that person, and they like it too. Like, yeah. When I started seeing that, it had, it had kind of like a magnetic element to it, or like like where it could bounce from one person to another element to it. That's that's when I first like started noticing bunches. Was that while you're in college? Um, or so earlier, yeah. The first half was it, I mean, the first half of it was definitely, like, at high school. Like, coming out of senior year, yeah. a lot of folks at my high school was listening, had heard my music. Not even was listening. Let's yeah. just say had heard. Yeah. Um, It had, like, giving me a little props on it. Like, oh, I fuck with it. Yeah. And at first, like, a lot of niggas, like, who just say, like, oh, I fuck with you. Like, you, you be rapping and shit. Like, I used to think, like, niggas were trying to play me. Yeah. But then years have passed, and then... Bro, the city, like, 
Like, it don't forget those sorts of things. So mm-hmm. I can never forget it when I'm giving a recounting. Yeah. The second half was definitely at college. Um, just performing more open mics, like, every night. Yeah. Real college nigga, college rapper nigga shit. Yeah. But, like, I was tough. Like, so, like, nigga come and sing the words and shit. Like, yeah. it should have be tough. Like, that's when I started to know, like, huh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when you start <laughs> like to see Like, these niggas don't know me. You start to see it physically. Like, people are here at my shows. Like, yeah. yeah that's amazing. Yeah, especially when it was, like, on some hangout. This is just, like, some weekly. We gonna pull up and smoke and listen to niggas rap event. And niggas was coming with anticipation of seeing me rap. Yeah. When I was just coming to see rap. Yeah. People was feeling the way toward me that I wasn't feeling necessarily... Like, that I was searching for, myself as a fan. Right. Um, that's when I knew I had to keep going. Because I knew that it was certain niggas that I listened to came up when I was 13, 14, who really had it, who was really rapping some of the best niggas ever rapped, yeah. but only did it for six months. Like who? Uh, I ain't doing that to niggas. Okay, yeah, my bad. <laughs> I ain't doing that to niggas. <laughs> no, no, I got you. Um one of the things that I've always really loved about underground rap is mm-hmm. sort of this lack of regionality because um, since the concentration in underground rap is always so much on um, creativity and getting across your ideas and and being willing to be uh, vulnerable and express emotion, you know what I mean, that it sort of lives outside of region, if that makes sense. So I'm wondering, in high school, as you're making this, the, the raps that you make, which are so emotive, vulnerable, um, unpacking so many things and ideas and, 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 um, how did it contrast with the regional rap in Charlotte or like other people in your school, even that might've been trying to make rap? I think, and I might be capping. Yeah. But I think most niggas in Charlotte that knew me knew I was the toughest. Yeah. Like, just because, like, how I was doing it. Yeah. And it taught me, in terms of artist development, that people don't have to get it the first time or the fifth time. That's right. But if you make it pretty enough to be worth their while, they'll hang around. Uh Uh-huh. And that's all I try to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, concise answer. Mm -hmm. So now that the world is starting to open back up, Mm. I feel like 2020 should have been your year to tour the world and and see the see right? the following go from what it is to double you know right um and it kind of got put on hold obviously but now um you know things are getting back to quote unquote normal you think niggas still fucking with me do they still fucking with me uh, i mean i think the ep made a huge splash don't you I don't know. I, I mean, it felt good to me when I heard it. I had it on repeat, so ah. I I, th- I think people are still going to be there for you. Know, I wouldn't worry about that. But I I do think that um you must be excited because you're going to get to go on the road soon. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah yeah, and you're going to get to see more of those people come. You know, touch in real life. Yeah, give a nigga a hug, man. You know? Yeah. Give me a hug at the Marvy show, man. Stop playing. Yeah, yeah. T- I mean, tell me about basically your plans now that the world's opening back up. Do these shows. Yep. Get the racks, <laughs> crib up, yeah. Graduate college, yeah. When's that scheduled? Chill. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably try to get married. 
Shit, regular shit, bro. Yeah, yeah. Regular young nigga shit, make an office or two along the way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, have you been Have you been cooking this entire time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I done made two albums. Yeah. And I done made, like, I made two albums, like, right on top of each other. Right. And then, that bad writer's block. Then I can't, then I start hating everything. Then I start, like, this recent one, after I started hating. Look, I was in the middle of hating everything when I made End of the Earth. Yeah. To show like, hey nigga, you can still rap, man. People haven't forgot about you. But then after that, I went to another block. And since that I've been making hella slaps, like hella different kind of slaps too. Yeah. Experimental. Yeah. Those moments where you go through and you're you're making music and, and feeling like you hate it, you think those are just bouts of artistic growth? For sure. You know. And it's more like I was telling the dear this. She was saying um, you might like yourself less when you on like first encounter with somebody because you don't feel like in your element enough to like fully be like that you can be your whole self in your element. Yeah. And so sometimes having a song that's aging poorly on you, yeah, is like the same way but as like introducing yourself to someone and not necessarily letting your whole self shine through. Uh-huh. It's like, damn, like, I wanted them to know this about me or I want to show this about me on my face value next time. Yeah. And it's just that as a developmental sharpening. And and better music comes out of the end of that pipeline. You right, know? right, right. Yeah, I always, when I talk to young artists, I always say, like, I think if you aren't um, disliking your old music, then you're stagnating creatively. You know what I mean? For sure. I, I think, like, you know it's time to make new music when you hate your old music. And, like, I'm the type nigga. Like, niggas not on this. And I know this niggas not because I be listening to nigga music. Like, I don't even like to hear myself say the same word too much of time. Yeah. I don't like to hear myself going to the same flow too much of time, same routine too much of time. You don't want to get formulaic. And I know I don't really like to hear, like, yeah. Nigga who I like to listen to yeah. a lot. Yeah. Future. Yep. Young Thug. I, I knew you were gonna mention all these dudes. Yeah. Because they're they're fucking they use their voice like a jazz instrument. And they songs be different as yeah. fuck. Yep, yep. At least, especially Thug. Yeah. But like Future too, especially Project to Project. But yeah. all this to say, um, yeah, just not allowing myself to get bored with this shit or to get like unfair with myself with my expectations yeah. where I expect myself to do this regardless of what like I can do and then you end up doing the same thing again right. to like limited success yeah. and you end up lowering your ceiling yeah. versus actually putting investment of your time your money whatever into your development into being in around these art inspired places yeah. consuming good art whatever remembering your life shit like this yeah. that really like end up benefiting you in the long run yeah man uh, sometimes when, when I'm talking to somebody like you I just like to let the silence sit because maybe something else will come out so that's why I'm sitting there for that a second that motherfucker season um man I, oh, I, we shit. do we do have to wrap this up and uh before we get out of here, I mean, we, we got to do this again, first and foremost. Absolutely. Yeah, next project, you have to come back through again just to chat. Um, tell the people, though, where they can find you online. Uh, Just search, like, Mavi space rapper. There you go. Just Google it. 
Google M A V I. Yeah, M A V I. You'll find him everywhere. He's verified on everything. I'm handsome yeah. too, so you can't miss me. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Congratulations on all your work to date. Thank um, you. Yeah. Um, congratulations to your fucking folks for doing such a good job on you, and congratulations to, to you for being so curious about everything. Congratulations to me to being born to my parents. There I would be go. born. I want to be born. My nigga Slash just say like. Every life I want to be your son. Oh, man. For real. No That's cap. heavy. That's heavy. Yeah, man. This is very enjoyable, and I love your music, and I think your future is so fucking bright. I'm excited to see where you go with it. Um, it's just the beginning, you know? Of course, man. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. We ain't never running out. That's right. So that said, my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me online at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the boards making the shit sound buttery, Avery Kentis at Avery Kentis with a K. Uh, YouTube.com slash kind of neat where we're going to see Mavi perform. What are you going to play? Time travel. Time travel. First song off of the new EP. Into the Earth. Into the Earth, which is out on all streaming platforms right now. Love that song. Fantastic. Follow us at Kinda Neat on everything. Uh, KindaNeat.net, where everything is wrapped up in a pretty package. And um, yeah, I think we did it. That was Mavi. I'm Woo! Lee, and this was Kinda Neat. Kinda Neat. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs>